You're listening to Shep Life with 1FM's Terry Cowley. Thanks so much for coming in today. Pleasure. Now, we're going to hear a bit about your backstory, your life story today, what's led you to be where you are today. But um, we need to recap on why Zadie's Rainbow Foundation exists. And that's because of the extremely tragic death of your beautiful daughter, Zadie, on the 2nd of December 2004. Can you take me back to that day? It was just a normal day. Uh, Zadie was sitting on a bed making Christmas cards for the rest of the kids at uh, Orville Primary School. It was about nine o'clock and my wife said, Zadie, uh, school night, get that light off and go to bed. Uh, with that, she turned the light off and moments after she came screaming down the corridor, complaining of a pain in the head, collapsed in my wife's arms and then we rushed Zadie to the hospital in Shepparton. They then uh, took her upstairs uh, to do an MRI scan because she was uh, unconscious and they discovered a large bleed in Zadie's brain. They then called for an air ambulance to fly Zadie and my wife Kim to Royal Children Hospital for emergency brain surgery. And six hours after that, uh, they came back out and said, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do. The bleed is too severe and she's going to die. And she did. At the age of seven years and 22 days, uh, she lost her life. And from that, uh, my wife turned around to the hospital and said, by the way, we're an organ and tissue donor family, as is Zadie, a registered donor. Um, and she's going to donate her organs and tissues. And she did. And a couple of days after that, the phone rang and it was the Royal Children's Hospital. And they said, by the way, Zadie's the only child in Victoria that year to be an organ and tissue donor. And with that, uh, we couldn't believe the statistic. Uh, The year rolled through and she was the only child under 16 to be an organ and tissue donor in Victoria. And only one of six children nationally. And that sort of inspired us to say, what can we do to get the message out there? And at night that uh, we were waiting for for Zadie to go in for a final operation. We came up with the idea of Zadie's rainbow shoelaces to get the message out. And we aimed to get sporting teams to wear the laces to promote the subject. And uh, here we are, 15 and a half years on. It's been an incredible journey of uh, getting sporting teams right around the country from the elite to the grassroots level wearing the, the rainbow laces in a, on the field and on courts. So you'd actually had that conversation with Zadie about organ donation, which I would imagine probably not very many seven-year-olds have had that conversation with their parents. No, it was back in um, uh, the year 2000 that my wife registered uh, all of us, um, myself inclusive, to to be on the National Database Register. And it was the age of six and a half that uh, Zadie turned around to Kim one day and said, Mum, if if I ever die, I want to donate my organs to another child. And uh, with that, uh, Kim wrote that down in a a memory book, never to think twice about it. Seven months later, um, it happened. She actually died and we carried out her wish and the family wished to be organ and tissue donors. Now, Zadie's legacy is obviously massive and you've ensured that that has, you know, remained in the public consciousness for the past 16 years. But her actual immediate legacy was quite specific in what she was able to donate. It was. Um, she donated uh, seven parts of her body um, to both uh, people that needed to, to live uh, a second chance of life and live a better life. So, you know, those things were very important for us as a family to think, well, what we contribute to another family that we had, no, we, we, there was nothing more that we could have done, all the hospital staff could have done. But what she done in death was to save and improve the lives of seven others. Including uh, like a heart valve going to a newborn baby and, and That's other. right. She donated two heart valves to two newborn babies, a heart patch to an infant, which is a child under the age of 12 months of age. What is a heart patch? 
patch. It's basically a slither of your heart for for children that have holes in their hearts or need an operation and need to have a part of the heart replaced. And the valves are about as uh, tiny as your your little finger um, that need to be uh, donated to two newborn babies. She donated kidneys, both the kidneys, to a middle-aged mum in her 40s and she was on dialysis for six years and uh, she was uh, nearly dead until uh, she got the transplant. And she donated both the corneas to two four-year-old children that had eye problems since birth. And now those two children can see properly, and uh, which is a fantastic outcome for those families and those people. Now, we can sit here, Alan, today and discuss this very rationally, but this is your daughter we're talking about. These yeah. are her body parts. Uh, how were you able to embrace this in the first place? Because it's a very confronting thing for people. I think it was one of those things that my wife you know, spoke about when our kids were three and five and you don't think it often but you did have that conversation and it was one of those opportunities that you know we're in a situation to be a donor family and we thought if we were on the reverse side of the the hospital and when we needed a transplant for one of our kids how do you convince a parent to say yes to that and I think we're in that situation that that we wanted to give something to other people and a gift. And the, the organ and the tissue donation is the greatest gift you can ever give. But that's an incredible thing to be able to think about giving when you're dealing with your own tragedy. I mean, most people can't see past that tragedy. Well, it wasn't my decision. It was my wife's decision that actually set at the hospital and I was just a complete wreck. You know, well, I was just totally gone with, with everything. Could not believe... The words I was hearing from the medical staff, could not believe I was sitting in a, an ICU unit at, at a children's hospital and it was my brave wife that turned around yeah. and said, you know, this is what we're going to do. And uh, the hospital staff incredible. were incredible. I mean, we had, we had nurses um, at, at, the, at the hospital that never seen a, a child to be a donor before. So it was a first in a lot of areas uh, in that hospital. Uh, yeah, it's, it's unfathomable and I just can't believe you were able to be so giving at your time of greatest need mm. it's, an, it's an amazing inspiration I want to ask you a bit about your life where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Caulfield uh, down back in Melbourne um, uh, my grandfather built the house and my dad took it over and uh, raised four children in that house uh, back in Caulfield okay uh, you went to school down there? went to Caulfield State went to Caulfield Technical School and then um, we moved to McKinnon uh, about, um, I think I was about 13 or 14 when we moved houses and um, moved to McKinnon and uh, we were there for a number of years and then everybody left home and got married and moved on. What did you do after school? Uh, my first job after school was uh, working as a salesman at Roger David London Stores right in the heart of uh, the CBD in Melbourne. So what were you selling? Uh, Roger David London Stores, a menswear store. Okay. So yep. I was uh, working uh, there for a, a number of t- number of months, and then uh, I moved on. I got my first uh, job at uh, Coca Cola. Uh, I was working in the merchandising sign section of uh, Coca Cola many years ago, and then um, I was uh, eighteen and a half, and I got a job as a sales rep selling Coca Cola, and I spent four years, four and a half years at Coca Cola. So I've been sales uh, for a long, long time. So I've worked through uh, a lot of companies, uh, Red Chulp Chocolates, uh, Uncle Toby's, uh, Bushels Tea and Coffee, uh, to mention a few. Okay. And then uh, my last job, I was a national sales manager with Bonlac Foods, uh, based out of Dandenong, and Bonlac was well known up here and uh, got taken over many years ago. 
And then um, I was made redundant and uh, I said to my wife, well, let's move to Shepparton. And we did. Why did you say that? Well, my wife's uh, family uh, parents retired in Cobram and uh, we lived in uh, Patterson Lakes in that, at that time. And we'd travel up to Cobram water skiing on the Murray uh, nearly every second weekend in summer. And uh, we just got sick of the travel. And I said, come on, let's uh, let's pull up the pin and, and buy a business up, up the road. So we, we took over the Angus and Robinson bookstore in, uh, in Shepparton back in 1996. And we had that for, for three years. And um, our son at the time was only six months when we moved up. He is now uh, 25 years of age next month. And Zadie was born here uh, in Shepparton. Back in the days when you could make money out of a bookshop. Definitely was. Uh, but, Those days uh, seem to be gone, or there seems to be very few bookshops these days. Well, that's right, but that's that's the way that the technology's moved and so forth. But my wife, she just loves to read a book every night, so she's not going any other way except the <laughs> book in the hand. Fair enough. Now, uh, tell me how you met Kim and what Camp Kim is up to these days, because she's a very well-known person in our community. Well, actually, uh, next month is our 30th wedding anniversary. So I met Kim 40-plus uh, years ago. And uh, it took us 10 years to get married. And um, we met down in Melbourne. Uh, we were both very young. I think uh, I, we met each other around about the 20... I was 21. And we met through mutual friends there. And then um, Kim moved in soon after that into my first unit that I bought down at Morty Alec. And we've been together ever since. What was it that attracted you to Kim in the first place? Well, she's listening, so I've got to say the right things. But uh, she I, was, I'm sure you would anyway, Alan. She was a beautiful woman and uh, still is today and uh, we just clicked in everything we do and uh, we're the complete opposites. Uh, she doesn't like sport. I love sport. Um, so it was good that she'd come and sit and watch me play basketball for all those many years. Um, but we had a lot of other things in common too and uh, water skiing was one of them. Uh, she was a pretty good water skier uh, in a day. And uh, when we bought our first ski boat when we were 25 years of age, uh, we spent, and still do, even today, uh, we spent a lot of time on the river uh, water skiing and wakeboarding. And Kim is, of course, well known to families as a kindergarten teacher. She is. Uh, I think it's around about 32, 33 years now Kim's been a kindergarten teacher from uh, leaving Melbourne as a kinder teacher, uh, coming up here and working in a number of centres. Uh, I was over in Marupna for some time, working over there, and now at uh, Kyala. Uh, Children's Centre. Children's Centre. Yep. Uh, she's been there for a, a long, long time. And tell me about your son, Jazz, because it, it must have been a pretty tough time for him to lose his only sibling. Yeah, Jazz was only nine at the time when Zadie died. And uh, I guess you you do, you, you, you look at your children every day and every night and you think, well, you know, they could be gone in a split second. So, uh, you know, we, we, he's been a, a spoiled little child for a lot of years and we spoil him because we love him and we spoil him because we never know what tomorrow could be. And, um, but he's, uh, he's 25, he's running his own business now, uh, Bicknell Signs. Uh, we took over that uh, in January and he's running that. Okay. So you mentioned that he doesn't like to talk too much about those dark days some everyone's different aren't they i mean some people like to talk about it a lot and you you talking about it has been some form of therapy for you would you say yeah in a way i think it is but i think when we decided to to turn the whole thing into a foundation we went out and said well, what's happening out there you know who's doing what to, to get the message out there and there's very little out there and i think you know we are now um you know, 15, 16 years on and we're the, the largest uh, voice when it comes to organ and tissue donation nationally. And, and yeah, for me, it's, um, 
I, I say to people, I'm probably one of the luckiest dads in the world because every day I get to work with my daughter. I don't know how many times a day uh, I mention her name or type her name um, or tell the story to other people to, to get support. So in a way, it's therapy. Um, I think, uh, you know, you, you sit there and you think it's still a surreal thing that's happened, but, you know, the old cliche is, you know, you should never lose your kids. But, in, you know, we have and we've got to move on. And, and through Zadie's uh, story, we've done a lot of things on a national basis. Now, I've heard you speak about this uh, in other in public forums. You have said that her death changed you, well, obviously it would change you irrevocably, but you have said that you weren't as good a person before her death and that she she changed you for the better. Well, I guess it is. It, it brings back you know the, the values of life and, and, and what's important and what's not important. And uh, I, I take pride in my cars and keep them clean. And you know, if I got a scratch on the car years ago, I'd be thinking I need to repaint it or sell it. Now I get a scratch on the car, I think it's only a scratch. You know, uh, and, and things in life that were important before are not as much important these days. You know, we say to our son, live life to the most because you never know. And he has. He's lived a pretty good life and uh, we, he's done everything he wants to do and we encourage that. And, you know, I was never a charitable person. I, I'd, I'd pull up at the traffic light and wind the window up and never give a coin out the window. Um, and since then, we've set up a charity. We, we understand the values of what charities do out there in the community. They're very, very important for a number of reasons. And we're, we're, we're now turned around that charity aspect of, of what I was to what I am now. I think you also said you weren't particularly community-focused before all this happened as well. Well, not really. I think uh, we lived our life and we got on and done what we did and not cared too much about what was happening in the community. And now I think you know, we do so many community events uh, nationally and, and uh, around the place and people come to us and say, how can we support you in our community, whether it be in Tasmania and Darwin and Perth, but especially in Shepparton, it's been a great uh, support for us as a family and especially the Orvale community uh, when we were out at Orvale where the kids were going to Orvale Primary School. You know, it's been, uh, been a change and I think if we are in Melbourne, we wouldn't have had that support when Zadie mm. died. Uh, versus what's uh, what the support we did when she did die. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said about ru- regional community, rural and regional definitely. communities, uh, you know, pulling together. Uh, so 16, 15, 16 years of doing this, this is a long, that's a long time. How do you keep pouring your energy into that? I think we can st- still think about, you know, the people waiting for a transplant and those the people that will be in need of a transplant. And I think, you know, if it's not me, who's going to be doing it? There's not many of us out there promoting the subject of organ and tissue donation on a, on a national scale, and I, I look at and I look at what you know the government are doing, and you know they're doing a good job in hospitals, but they're not doing much in the community. And so I think you know the, to to be inspired to get out there and talk about uh, a little girl's story inspires others to to be talking about organ and tissue donation, but also to be part of the community and uh, to be thinking that life's more than um, you know, getting your head around, you know, the the, 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 the awful things that happen in the world. The, the upside of organ and tissue donation is you save someone's life. Yet still, um, it would be probably challenging sometimes to avoid burnout because th- there's never an end to the amount of work you can do on that. And I know that 2018 you got involved in that whole Miss Muddy thing, which was must have been a really dark chapter and you must have 
questioned things then. Can you can you recap on that episode? Yeah, we uh, we had an opportunity as a charity to take over an event called Miss Muddy and um, we were provided with a lot of information and uh, we discovered that when we got hold of it, the information wasn't correct and um, we had to put the, the event into liquidation and uh, that hurt the foundation and uh, my wife and I got trolled pretty heavily uh, by those that lost money on tickets and we can understand to a point that you know anyone losing money is not good but you know all these people got their money back through the credit card through the bank so at the end of the day they they all got their money back but to be trolled like that yeah to make it personal to personal and uh, it was a dark six months for us and um, thank god it was uh, a lot of years ago now and uh, we got through it and I'm sure you learned from it oh we've learned a lot of lessons from from that operation and um, and that but um, I think that's probably the the worst case that we've had in the the, the, the charity's history about taking over an event like uh, like Miss Money. So generally speaking you find that people are very supportive oh look, definitely yeah well that's good to hear now we have talked about uh, what led to the setting up of the foundation Alan had you had previous um, adversity that you'd had to face in your life challenges in your life that could in some way prepare you for what came? Well, many years ago we had a, a pretty major challenge where we basically had a business and uh, we lost all our money in a house to the business and uh, we started off at scratch and I keep on saying to my son and wife, uh, I remember the day we had $2.75 in the bank account and nothing else and uh, I guess that was a long time ago and uh, we've, we've overcome that, uh, what we had to get, ri- what we sold off and got rid of to, to pay everybody back. Um, we've actually got back and uh, I appreciate everything now more so that you know we had motorbikes and cars that we had to sell off and get rid of and we've achieved that back in life working very hard uh, to have a focus on on the goals and uh, I'm very goal focused and I believe truly believe if you dream it it will come true okay well that's definitely something to keep sight of what kind of business was that that was the Angus and Robbins bookstore. Okay. What went wrong with that? Um, electronic books came out. Uh, Kmart and others around the place started selling books that were cheaper than what we actually purchased it for. And um, it was just a tough time at that uh, that particular time. And we had a, a fly-by-night, a bookstop shop come into town and selling books at 90% off. So, again, way back, it was a tough time for business. Speaking of books, you've written one book. Yeah, we did. Uh, it was a, a gift that I gave Zadie for her 18th birthday. Uh, it was a book called uh, Chasing Rainbows and it was basically the story about Zadie and the journey that she took from a, 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 a student at Orval to when she got on a plane and flew to the Royal Children's Hospital to what she gave at the end of life. And at the back of the book is uh, a lot of good information about what organ and tissue donation is about and breaks a lot of myth about uh, some of the questions that people say or, or ask about what organ and tissue donation is all about. What are some of those myths, Alan? Uh, you drink alcohol, you smoke cigarettes and you're too old. Um, you can drink alcohol and still donate anything and everything. You can still smoke cigarettes and donate your lungs um, and you're never too old to be an organ and tissue donor. Uh, the oldest person in the world that's ever donated was a 101-year-old lady that donated a cornea wow. overseas. So there's a very small percentage of Australians who die that are organ donors. 
That's right. There's only uh, 1% of people that die in hospitals that are in a situation to be a donor. So out of the 77,000 deaths that we have in hospitals nationally, uh, 2% of those people are actually uh, eligible in a position to be an organ and donor, but we only get less than 1% uh, of those people that actually donate every year. So our donation rate is pretty ordinary. And we need to do a lot more work still to, to get that donation rate up to save more lives. In some countries in Europe, there is an opt-out system for organ donation. Is that your end goal with your campaign? It definitely is. Uh, since 2015, we've been promoting to change the system from an opt-in to an opt-out. And what that basically means is that instead of you registering your, your desires on a national database, uh, everybody is perceived to be an organ and tissue donor unless you do not wish to be a donor, then you sign a form to say, no, I don't. And by going that way, uh, instead of having 6.7 million people that are currently registered in Australia, we'd have a potential pool of 18 million plus. And I think um, you know, the world's leading countries uh, follow that system. We currently sit, uh, Australia sits 16th in the world when it comes to organ donation and 14 countries above us. Uh, work in the opt-out system. In fact, uh, this year we'll see England, Scotland and Ireland all go the opt-out system. So it's a tool to use. It changes the culture of Australia when it comes to this subject. And I think, uh, you know, we've been in a situation at the moment that we're talking to a lot of politicians, both state and federally, to see how we can change this and review it and hopefully that will increase the donation rate. What are the barriers to going to that kind of system? Is it just a psychological barrier we have to get over? It is. It simply is. Uh, the government will turn around and say it's, it's, it will cost us too much to, to, to change the system. Well, if that's the case, why are England and Scotland and Ireland and Wales all going down that path? It's not the cost of, of implementing the system. In fact, it will save money uh, because you won't need someone to sit there all day entering uh, your registration in your database uh, that person can only enter that you do not wish to be an organ donor and, and only 20% of the, uh, the people actually sign to say, no, I don't. And that's a great figure because then 80% of the people say, yes, I do support it. You're talking about that psychological barrier. Is it, is it that, do you think people have that feeling of dismemberment or...? It... Yeah, I think uh, Hollywood's got a lot to do with uh, how people perceive for the, the final operation is that you get put there in the ICU and they get the scalpel out and mm. the saw and hack away. Well, it's not the case. Uh, it's performed as a, uh, uh, as a, a proper operation and when Zadie came back after her operation, you couldn't tell that she's just donated her organs and tissues. Uh, we held her for about 45 minutes in, in a private room at the hospital and uh, the only way you could see it was she had a Band-Aid from her voice box to a belly button. Other than that, she was our little daughter. So the myth about getting cut up and spat out, it's definitely a Hollywood theme. Uh, it doesn't happen. Now, we're coming into a really weird time in history now with the pandemic we're dealing with. There are events being cancelled left, right and centre all over the place and that affects charities a lot. So uh, I guess one of the things we want to remind people about is not to forget charities during this time because you need to keep going, don't you? Well, exactly right. I mean, we've, uh, this week we've cancelled five events going forward. Uh, we've got one event over in Chuka, which is Rev in the River, a motorbike event next week, next Saturday. But the five other events that were cancelled is purely on the case that we don't know if people are going to turn up or not. And we don't know what the situation will be in May, June, July, August. So we better take the precaution now of cancelling out. And that, uh, that's reduced our income considerably uh, going forward now, as, as a lot of charities will find that the effect of, of the donations coming through, uh, people supporting them. And uh, I encourage everyone to, those that are 
have been supporting charities, uh, keep doing it. Uh, we still need your support out there, whether it be food or money. How can people support Zadies at the moment? Easy. Just jump on our website and go and buy some rainbow shoelaces or cricket grips or hats or, or ties. We've got about 35 different merchandising products that people can get online, buy, support, give them as a gift. Use them yourself. Uh, everybody needs laces and shoes. Why not rainbow ones? And I guess it's the money from buying the merchandise, but then using that merchandise also creates awareness, doesn't it? It does. I mean, uh, last year or the start of last year, we, we sold uh, over 2 million pairs. Well, we, we got up to over 2 million pairs of rainbow shoelaces sold since we've been going. Back in uh, 2008, we bought out the, the – oh, sorry, 2006, we bought out the laces – and uh, two million pairs have been sold or given away nationally, and uh, it's a great That's way a of getting the message out there. That is a lot. Well done. With all your benefit of hindsight and your your great experience, Alan, what what can we what can we learn from what you've been through? Um, live life to the max. Uh, don't don't waste a moment in your day. Uh, get out of bed, jump out of bed, and and, and take on life every day. Uh, don't worry about the, the bad things that go on life because tomorrow is a new day. Uh, the past is the past. The future is bright and, and healthy. And I think we've got to think about that. And um, don't think of the negative. Uh, think positive all the time. Um, it's a challenge, though, to do that, isn't it? It is a challenge. But, um, you know, if you're surrounded by people that are positive with you, then that's half the battle. We're going to finish up now, Alan. We're running out of time with Katy Perry's fireworks song. And you use that with your presentations, you said. We do. We've been using Kate's uh, song. It's Katy. Katy's song uh, <laughs> for, I guess, about seven years now. Uh, and all our presentations that we do at schools and the community, it's uh, got a lot of meaning to it. And uh, we put a PowerPoint to it with lots of rainbows and images of Zadie. All the best, Alan. Thank you so much for your time this Appreciate morning. Appreciate it, Terry. Thank you. You've been listening to the Shep Life Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on SoundCloud. Find it on the 1FM Facebook page or search Shep Life Group on Facebook. Once approved, you'll be kept up to date with links to future shows. If you'd like to hear the show live, you can tune in to 98.5 on your radio or stream through fm985.com.au or the TuneIn app on your Android or iOS device. Friday mornings from 9am to midday.